everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 12, Podcast Music, recorded May 13th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to talk about uh, getting music for your podcast, where to find it, what kind of music, how much there should be of it, and all sorts of uh, brain droppings from uh, Steve and myself about that. And I will go brain ahead. Brain droppings? Brain droppings, yeah. That was, uh, that was the title of George Carlin's blog uh, back when he had one, Brain Droppings. That just, <laughs> That's good. Just jumped out there. Uh, it's just Steve and I tonight. Uh, Steve and me. Yeah, grammatically, I think it's just Steve and me. Uh, James is a bit under the weather. Uh, he uh, said that uh, he could come on if we wanted to listen to him cough and sniff for a couple of hours, but we decided that would probably be not the, the way to go. So uh, it's just uh, myself and Mr. Steve Cherubino of HowToPodcast.biz. Hey, Steve. Hey, Mark. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to me that you would uh, remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw my mom today. You got to see your mother or at least communicate with her on Mother's Day. Indeed. I uh, cooked for my mother and my wife uh, my, uh, and my sister-in-law, actually, all the, the mothers in my life. Uh, my wife, I asked her what uh, what she wanted. Do you want, you know, I can take you out somewhere, whatever. She said, I want you to make me uh, some pulled pork barbecue. Uh, that's a ah. real Texas woman right there when she asked for barbecue. So Nice. Oh, so that's, that's what awesome. we had. Awesome. Awesome. I went to Sonny's tonight. That's as close as I'm going to get to Mark's home-cooked pulled pork. But Sonny's is like a barbecue pit in Florida, and it, it just rules. I love it. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so I had uh, I did the whole bit. I, I I did a pork shoulder. I made all the veggies. I did the the bread. I did everything. I even cleaned up the dishes. Well, what dishes have been done so far? So my <laughs> wife my wife didn't have to do anything. That was my uh, gift to her. That and uh, some roses and a cheap cheesy e card. Ah, you got to do that. Was it one of the ones with the little cartoon guys that have annoying voices? No, no, it wasn't those. It was uh, uh, just uh, something else. It was equally annoying. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I had a whole plan I was going to do for my Mother's Day. Very geeky and audio techy. I was going to take one of those cards where you can it has a little cartoon characters that have these annoying voices. My mom likes these two little guys. They're called Hoops, and I can't remember the other guy's name. And they're on these all these cards now, and they they sound like chipmunks. They talk right. real fast. I was going to basically take a device where you can record your own voice and stick that device into the car into one of those cards with the little cartoon dudes except I, it would be my voice sped up to sound like those guys and I would give her a personalized message so basically she would think that those cartoon dudes knew her name last name and, and different facts about her and I would just wanted to freak her out but I didn't do that that, that would have been uh, a great deal of forethought and, and uh, care that went into that I know that's why I didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I are, are very honest about that. Uh, for Valentine's Day, uh, it was the day before. I said, "You know, I'm not getting anything you anything for you, right?" She said, "Yeah, I didn't get you anything either." So that's that's the way we roll at my house. And and you guys were serious? <clears throat> yeah. And you didn't get her anything? No, not a thing. Because most husbands don't fall for that, that <laughs> ploy. Well, it was just you know. It was, I knew, I mean, I was just being honest with her. I, I had worked, you know, like 60 hours that week. I just, I, I hadn't gotten anything, period. And just, she had to be okay with that. But she's been married to me for a long time. She knows that that's, that's part of the deal. <laughs> wow. A lot of people will call you lucky there, Mark. 
I am lucky in many ways. She is almost perfect except for her taste in men. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I just want a, a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's advice or a horror story or what, but, uh, you know, I, I've, we've often talked about having a backup recording device. Uh, I used uh, a little Olympus uh, voice recorder. They're not expensive, $75 or whatever. Um, and that's what I'd always use. And I had never needed it until just this last week. One of my shows, uh, something happened during the recording. And so I plugged my device into my laptop, dragged the file off of it, unplugged the device, and it said, uh, please wait, you know, uh, and then it said, please wait, and it said, please wait, and still, like, a week later, it's still saying, please wait. It actually ran the batteries down saying, please wait. I put new batteries in it. It came back up saying, please wait. So I bricked it. I used it literally one time. I mean, I had recorded a number of things on it uh, for a couple of months, but the, the only time I actually needed to access the device, the act of plugging it in and unplugging it, toasted it. So, uh, you know. Have I mean, you tried hitting it? Like literally banging it? <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I did throw a little bit of a temper tantrum that might have involved some percussiveness to it. Okay. Uh, but it and still, still didn't, didn't work. Still didn't okay. Yeah. yeah. That's worth a shot. So uh, it's, you know, I, I gave it to a, a friend of mine who likes taking stuff apart and said, if you fix it, I want it back. If not, have fun with it. <laughs> so no backup for this show, huh? No, no backup well, device? just the Ustream, okay. uh, which is what I had to go to for that other show. So uh, um, that's why it's always good to have multiple backups. Yeah. Yeah, I always rely on my the, the site I stream through to make a recording there, and it's saved my butt a couple times. And just a quick note, uh, something that I thought would be interesting to our audience, even though it's not necessarily about the topic, is uh, uh, this week I posted a terms of, of use and privacy policy on the Element OP uh, website. I haven't had that before, and uh, it's one of those boxes that you probably really need to check if you're setting up a website. Uh, I looked at uh, a bunch of others online, and this one is not written in the typical legal ease in any way, but I did run it by a lawyer. I, I have uh, a lawyer um, for the family, and I ran it by her, and she said it's, you know, it'll hold up in court, even though it's not written in legal ease. It, uh, it says what needs to be said. So I just thought I'd point that out there. If you're a podcast, host or, or, or anything if you have any kind of of uh, web presence you probably need to get yourself one of those so that you can at least tell people you know this is these are the terms these are this is how what i do with your information uh and go over there steve what have, what have you got on your side is it just some boilerplate thing you copied from somewhere no i actually don't have anything like that <laughs> to be frank this is that's my weak spot i don't have a lawyer i'm not a lawyer a lot of those points kind of go by the wayside for me, and that is wrong. And um, thank you for your tip because I'm going to use that. Well, actually, you do have one because I went searching on your site, and yours is the uh, the one that comes built in with uh, uh, your forum. What is it? BB forum. What is your what's the forum software you use? I use uh, PHP BB. That's it. PHP BB. So if you do a search on there for terms and a search for privacy, you will come up with. The thing that's built into that system, you didn't even know it. I didn't even know. I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm going to find it now. It's on my forums. Right. It's not okay. on your site itself, but on the forums, which is the only place anybody posts any information. So that's the reasonable place to put it, I suppose, on your site. Wow. That's great. Thanks, Mark. I didn't <laughs> even know that. <laughs> so you have one, and, uh, and somebody may hold you accountable to it, so you might want to go read your own terms at some point. <laughs> okay. I will do that after the show. 
And, uh, you know, as I was uh, doing research, I looked at James's as well. And uh, uh, his is looks like it's some template that he had somewhere. His is much more uh, exacting and detailed than mine. Uh, but uh, anyway, go to elementopi.com, go to a slash privacy and elementopi.com slash terms and uh, check it out if you're interested in what my terms of use are. Uh, and I'll move right on to a listener email. Last week we had our first voicemail. This week we've got our first uh, email on the show. Uh, and Yay. this is uh, from Chuck or Charles. He had both things written in his email, so I don't know what he wants to go by, but I'm going to go with I Chuck. I call him Chuck from his email. Okay. Uh, and he's asked a question <clears throat> about the uh, DBX uh, noise gate compressor that we have. He says, also a question for the show. I bought a DBX-266XS. I had it in line between a Shure SM58 and a Focusrite Scarlet 2i2. It had a hum I couldn't get rid of, so I sent it back. I heard Mark say his had a hum to start with, and then in a later show, I heard Mark say that he still has it. So I assume that means that you got it fixed somehow. Uh, I sent mine back because I couldn't figure out how to get rid of the hum. I also found the hum complaints in the forum. Then I heard on a latter show, you were talking about an insert connection. Was not having an insert connection the cause of my hum? Thanks again for the show and any advice. So, uh, Chuck, what you what you heard were two different devices. The first one I got was just a defective device. I couldn't make it work for anything, so I chucked it to the side and kept it for parts and got another one. Uh, and then ran into the problem that you're talking about. Um, almost any of these boxes, the DBX is not exclusive to this. Uh, are, even if they have XLR microphone connectors on them they're designed to receive line input levels so your mic uh, uh, your condenser or your dynamic mic in this case the uh, Shure SM58 isn't putting enough signal into it for the circuitry to work so basically what it does is it super amplifies what it's got and starts overdriving the amp and creates the noise that you are hearing so the only way to fix that is to boost the signal before you get it to your device so in the case of your uh, 2i2, you've got it going out of the compressor into the 2i2. It really needs to be the other way around. Um, but then you don't have your digital to analog conversion. So you're going to have to, the only way to round it is to either have a device that has the insert connections like you were talking about that will uh, loop a signal through uh, the built-in preamp, is what, which is what Steve has on his uh, PreSonus device. Or you're going to have to get a separate preamp. Now, the way I solved this problem in my uh, rig is I had a spare uh, used um, uh, M-Audio Fast Track. So I have my mic going into that. Then I have out of the headphone out of the M-Audio Fast Track going into my DBX-166. Uh, so I'm not using the, the M-Audio Fast Track as an uh, analog converter, but simply as a preamp. Then it goes from there into my digital mixer, which is my digital, my analog to digital converter. So that's the way I do it. And really, that's what you're going to have to do. You have to introduce some other piece of equipment, and there's no other way around that. And they make preamps, little separate preamps, like cheap little preamps. Like I think uh, M-Audio's got one called the Mic Buddy. It's just literally a preamp. So you could run a mic from the Mic Buddy into the uh, Focusrite. But I, I just want to say, I, first of all, I feel bad because I've been touting the 266 and saying it's awesome and you should get one. And then I go ahead and recommend the 2i2. And like what Chuck did, he went and bought, bought both of them. But the, it, it's like we said, you can't use them together. So they're, they're both great, but 
you can't use the, the compressor with the, the 2i2, unfortunately. So I'm sorry if I'm, I gave out misleading information or if anybody took that the wrong way. If you, if you want to use the compressor, the, the 266, you are going to need like a separate preamp and a Bach, an audio interface. So see, me and Mark were talking about this before the show. Audio interfaces are, are great, and they basically serve two purposes, most of them, the way they're built. They're, number one, they're a mic preamp, and number two, they're an analog to digital converter. Unfortunately, that 266 has to sit in between those two things, and the audio interface is all, in, it's all integrated, so you can't just slap that 266 in between the preamp and the converters. So you, you can't really use it. Before this show, also, I spent about 20 minutes trying to do a workaround to get the, the 266 to work with the Focusrite, and I was running like, I'll signal out of the Focusrite into the 266 and then back from the 266 into another channel on the Focusrite, and it just didn't work. So I, I kind of concluded that it can't be done unless I, I'm missing something, but um, I gave it a shot for you, Chuck, and it uh, didn't quite work. Last thing about this. The 266 is awesome, but we also said it's great for live uh, use. You're doing a podcast that's pre-recorded. There's... You don't really need the 266. Just use the Focusrite, record your mic and, and everything into the Focusrite, and then if you want to use a compressor, use it in your software. The reason I don't use compression in my software is because it, it, it brings in latency. If you just use your Focusrite and record your audio, you could do all your um, effects like compression and EQ and whatever else you want to add and noise gate in the software that you're using to uh, make the podcast. So. You don't really need, have, absolutely have to have the 266 if you're not going live. So um, I wouldn't sweat it. If you return that one, uh, let them keep it, save your money, and see what you could do inside the software, which they call in the box. See what you could do in the box. And that's the way I did it for the first two years of podcasting. I only recently moved to having the compressor in line, <clears throat> um, mainly because of the, the live show uh, that we do, the, the live broadcast. So, yeah, you don't really need to do that. Uh, and so the the logical question one might ask is, well, why doesn't the DBX have a, a an amp in it? Why doesn't it have a preamp in it? And and the answer is, anywhere you go, um, a, a good preamp is going to cost about a hundred bucks. Uh, you can get cheap ones for less, but a good one is going to cost about a hundred bucks. So if they did that, there's two channels in the DBX, so that would cost the price of the box to go up by two hundred bucks. It's already a two hundred dollar box, so it would literally double the price of the unit. And then right. nobody would ever buy it. Cheap preamps are about a hundred bucks, like consumer level. Preamps go up to astronomical figures. I mean, right? Yeah, that was your dollars. your bottom line number. You're gonna not yeah, you're not gonna spend line. less than a hundred bucks. Right, right. I if I you do, it's probably not worth having. It's a fast track. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I use my fast track all the time. Yeah, and they're not pristine preamps, but they're they're good. They're decent. They were. They work. Any they work great for podcasting. Right. Okay. On to the uh, topic at hand, which is music. Uh, and and this Mark, did you happen to? Get, you, oh, you did send it to me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, Chuck sent us another email. We're going to save that for next show. Yeah, I was. I was. But you can. We can go ahead and do it now. No, just, no it's up to you. I just didn't. Want, I wanted to see if you got it. I didn't know what you. Had I just thought on. since we had one Chuck item, we'd uh, we'd do another Chuck item next time. Let's All space right. them out. We don't get the tons of stuff on this show. Okay. We'll do it next week, Chuck. So stay tuned next week, people. Yes, I just built suspense. Music. Do you need music in your shows? Yes or no, Steve? It adds a nice professional touch, and I recommend it. 
It's, it's not absolute necessity, but if you want your show to have um, all the, the frills and give it that little extra touch, that little extra professionalism, um, music goes a long way, especially if it's good. And especially, and there's some other things about it that we'll talk about that I think are absolutely necessary. But um, I think it's a good idea to have it, to answer your question. And uh, I will give a much shorter version. Do you need it? Yes. <laughs> you do. Uh, your show is lacking without it. And people will choose to listen to shows that have it. But that's, that's a, a researched and proven fact. Really? No, I just totally made that up. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, man. I agree with you. I agree with you. From the beginning, I've had it, and I just, it's just something I instinctively put in because it felt like it needed it. So it's a, I would recommend it. And, and again, uh, one of the analogies that I often draw when we talk about podcasting is, is a lot of the expectation of podcasting was set up by uh, decades of people listening to radio. People liken the one to the other. Radio has trained us to listen for music intro music or beds you know you you never hear a traffic report without music going on underneath it it's it's just always the way it is uh even on you know the little news segments they always have some kind of we have just been trained to accept that and so when people uh hear music in your podcast they equate that with the professional product they listen to on their drive every day to work if they don't hear it, that association isn't there. Even if it's not conscious, uh, they, they have the feeling that something is missing. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm, I'm with you on that. So what do we do about it? Well, the next question is, if you need music, uh, the next question is where and how much? And there's really, um, I've identified four places where you can and and maybe should put music uh the the minimum minimum is the beginning and the end of the show what what, what we call bumpers you, you want to put the bumpers on your show you want to have uh, intro music and you want to have outro music no outro isn't really a word but musicians use it all the time uh it's a made-up word that's become an industry standard so you want to intro music and outro music and that's you know anywhere from um 10 seconds to 90 seconds of music <clears throat> but you don't want that 90 seconds to be just music you want you know i generally strive for 30 seconds or less uh, of music before somebody starts talking and then you can have another you know 30 seconds to a minute while people are talking or something like that but uh i know steve i've listened to his stuff he likes to have it a lot simpler like maybe 10 seconds before somebody starts talking i say seven if you're going to do 30 that's that's way for me way way too much people didn't tune into your show to listen to music the music is addressing, it, it, it introduces your show. It is not your show. I don't care how much you like the song. I don't care if you wrote the song. I say seven seconds before somebody starts talking, and that is my rule of thumb. And I don't think I have any that are less than 20. Steve complains about the music for the show every week. It's sort of become a running gag uh, that he complains every week about the, the music. And maybe that's it. Maybe he's bored by the time somebody starts talking, and it's not actually that he doesn't like the music. I expect after that music that the people think we're going to have like long, flowy 80s hair. Well, I did in the 80s. <laughs> I rocked a mullet. I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> oh, man. I never had a mullet because I could not grow one. I probably would if I could. Yeah, you, you would have had the white fro thing going on, right? Yeah, I had the fro going on. Very uncomfortable. 
So other than the bumpers, if you have uh, segments, uh, if you have distinct parts of your show, some do, some don't, you might want to have a little, what I call an interstitial segment there. Um, I don't do it anymore on, on many of my shows, but I used to, uh, like between when we'd have a guest come on, like I would introduce uh, we, we, we'd be talking, you know, the little warm up part, and then there'd be like a, a six or eight second, uh, little blurb, and then the guests would come on. And I use that as a crutch. It made the editing easier. I didn't have to have a smooth edit. I could just, you know, we could just fade that and use that as the, the music. I don't do that anymore as I've gotten better at making smooth edits. But before and, and after the, the, uh, um, just the interview or the guest or whatever, I would have a little, um, bump of music there another thing is if you have <clears throat> you know a regular segment uh, you could have just a quick little sound effect sort of thing you know uh, uh going in but there, there are little places where you can put music and sounds uh that will help out and then there's the bed that i talked about earlier with the like the traffic thing that's not really something that's going to be used very often in podcasting i can't really think of a place for that but you might you might find a place where you want to have some music going on like uh uh, on Android App Addicts, there's a, a occasional showdowns, right, between uh, devices. I've I've heard that a few times on on your show, and so you'll play uh, some music under that. I the, played Eye of the Tiger, right, and, uh, the and then the RAA came to your door and said, "Stop it." Yeah. <laughs> we also played "I'm the Best" from the Karate Kid. Oh, that was a classic. <laughs> So uh, there are times like that. And so if you have bits like that, then you yeah. might want to have a bed under it. But it's not something that's going to happen regularly. I've listened to a podcast that had a bed of music under it the whole podcast. I couldn't wow. stand it. Don't do that. I, I don't recommend it. That's almost as bad to me as having music immediately start when you go to somebody's website. You know what I mean? Um, it's just inappropriate. You're listening to somebody's voice. That's what you tuned into a podcast for. You don't have to have the music back. It's distracting. It's distracting. As far as uh, between segment music, I don't really like that. For me, in my mind... Um, I don't like podcasts that are overproduced. Um, maybe I'm a bit biased because I don't overproduce my own shows, but I like the rawness of podcasts. When, when they try to be overproduced, I'm just like, why don't I just watch TV and then watch like the local news or watch like a billion commercials and just, we don't, the podcasts don't need to be overproduced. I don't think it's wanted that they're overproduced. So I don't put any music in there. Sometimes I think it sounds a little cheesy, but um, I, it's just, I haven't done it. So I'm just trying to make myself right. And that is a stylistic thing. You, you know, we've yeah. talked about that before. When you begin your podcast, you've got to decide what's it going to be. And it's okay for that to evolve over time. But, you know, what kind of person are you? I tend to, to move more toward the, the heavy production. I like that. I like to produce that kind of content. Uh, my shows, uh, the, the dialogue is often very raw. I don't go about editing that, but I like to have things tight and packaged. And it's just a, a personality thing. And your audience, um, those who like things really raw, the the Jerry Springer audience is going to listen to to Steve stuff because that's uh, oh, that's come what they on. like. No, I, I'm insulted. <laughs> I am insulted. I can't, I can't believe you said that. The Jer my target my audience is the Jerry Springer audience. I knew that would get you. I just said that just to rile you. <laughs> All right, well, that's fair. That's fair. We'll jab each other. <laughs> but no, it's it's just a, it just depends on what you like. And I've uh yeah. uh other shows like uh you mentioned earlier, the home recording show, it is very, very produced. It's it's way more produced uh than even I like to do things. But again, that's just the way they like to do things. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. 
this that this what I'm just talking about is my opinion on this one. It's just my opinion. Um, so take it for what it is, just as my opinion, and do it. Mark said, and if it's you, then do put the music in wherever you want. Yeah, and Ruteo in the chat room says that uh, uh, I like the production value as long as poor hosts don't ruin it, and it's true. No amount of production will make up for bad content. Oh man, my. I'm looking at the chat. It hasn't moved in a while, so I've been missing some stuff. I got to re- reload it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it shows that you logged out a little while back. Not cool. And so the next question that that you might ask: All right, I've I've decided I want music. Where do I get it? And uh, well, the obvious answer is you just go to a, a an MP3 in your library that you bought from iTunes, and you just play that. Right? There's nothing wrong with that, is there, Steve? <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I did that for my first started Pod Nuts. I played a song by the Used. And um, I thought that was like perfectly fine. And then I realized, wait a minute, that's illegal. <laughs> so yeah, don't do that. Yeah, it's not a good idea. Um, you can get in trouble. You know, it's it's unlikely the used is going to say is going to listen to Podnuts and say, wow, that's our song, or the RIA is going to come breathing down your neck. But if if you put your video on or your podcast on YouTube and it has anything copyrighted, they will pull it down, even if it's only a couple seconds. Practically, they do it. Yeah, and and if you really get dig into that, as I have, uh, sadly, I wish I hadn't, uh, but you find out that there's there are different licenses. Um, what you might think is like you know, if I'm at a bar and they've got the the music playing, well, the fact is that bar has a certain license to be able to do that. Um, but what you have, what makes podcasting different is that you're making copies of the music. Everybody who downloads it gets a different copy. And so that's a whole different license than just a radio station that broadcasts it out one time. And so you, you can get into a lot of trouble for doing that. I've not read stories of, of people coming after podcasters, but you know, as soon as the RIAA gets tired of suing their own customers, uh, they will come (laughs) after podcasters. I have no doubt. And I so, uh, you know, it's you better safe than sorry for, for all measures. And there's lots of good stuff out there that you don't have to do that. And, and in two of my shows, I have music that is professional music ripped off a CD, but I got permission from the artist. And I have that email printed out and in a file somewhere uh, where they gave me permission to use it. And, and I have that listed. Uh, I have a forum post where that talks about show music. It, that's important. You need to attribute that stuff somewhere publicly there, that people can find it. Um, and I have, you know, use with permission. Or there's another one that I bought a license for. There was a certain amount of money I paid that gave me the license to do that. Uh, so it's not hard. You know, Roteo in the chat room says, just ask. The worst they can do is say no. That's not really true. The worst they can do is waste your time for six months and then say no, uh, <laughs> which which I have had happen. Um, but, you know, yes, you do want to ask. And and I'm, uh, excuse me, oddly enough, the artist is almost never the person to ask because almost all the time the artist has sold his rights to somebody else. That was the price he paid for being an artist. He's on some kind of label. He's got some sort of production company. He no longer has the right to say yes or no. So you have to ask, uh, you know, BMI or ASCAP or, or Sony music or somebody like that. Yeah. I, I, um, a couple, there's a couple different ways I've gotten my music, but I'll stick with the topic of asking for, for, because I went to a site called, it was called garageband.com. I don't even know that the site's still around. Garageband.com. And I just went through all these songs and it's just from regular old people who post up their music. Um, they're not on labels or anything, not signed artists. And they just post up their music for other people to listen to. 
I found some stuff I really liked on there from a guy named Evan King. And I emailed him and I said, I really like music. Um, can I put it on my shows? We get like, you know, I told him my numbers and how many people would be exposed to it. And I said, at the end of every one of my shows, I will say music by Evan King. And uh, for the shows that I have that on, um, I, I say music by Evan King. He agreed. And um, that was perfectly fine with me. So um, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Steve, your video is making me nuts there. He's got a cat walking around and swishing his tail. I'm not a cat person. That would make me insane. My my instinct is to punch that cat, and he's not even in oh, my room. Are you kidding me? I love yeah. my cats. Yeah, I love I, them. The people do. And, and you said cats, right? I don't know anybody who has a cat. <laughs> I'm not like cat man, like Mr. Cat Lover. I just, I love my cats. Right. Two but, girls. But really people good. who have cats always have cats. Poor old. I don't know anybody who has a cat. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Uh, enough from there. But uh, yeah, use with permission. That's when you ask somebody uh, where that can get you into trouble. It's rare, but I just thought I'd mention it is uh, if Evan King signs with uh, with Sony Records later and sells his rights, they might come back to you and say, now you need to pay us because we own it. And he sold us the rights to it. Really? I could, they would, they have like, uh, it could go retroactive. There's the cat again. It could go retroactive. It can. Yes. Um, well, it, actually what it would be is like, uh, all the shows that you released before he signed you, the, the they signed him would be fine, but anything released right. after you'd have to pay for. Right. Okay. That makes sense. <clears throat> so, you know, that's just something, but generally, uh, I don't think that's a big deal. Um, but the, the safest way to make sure you're always safe is to use music that is publicly licensed. Uh, and they're, uh, the biggest public license right now is called Creative Commons. And I'm sure you've all heard of it, creativecommons.org. Um, there are all of my podcasts are released, are released under the Creative Commons. Everything that, that I produce, I have licensed under the Creative Commons. And what that basically is, uh, it's a license that um, allows the owner to keep ownership. It's not like GPL where you have given up ownership. You keep ownership, but you allow people the rights to use it. And you can go to place like, places like Music Alley or Gemendo.com. Uh, just do a search for Creative Commons Music, and you're going to find uh, dozens of sites. Now, in my experience, 85-plus percent of the stuff is some really crappy piece of music that some guy recorded in his bedroom. Uh, so you have to be willing to put in the work to sift through all the garbage, but there are some really good things out there. Some, uh, some really high quality, uh, professional musicians that, you know, in their spare time release this thing just for fun and put it out there on the creative commons. Uh, uh, an artist called Charlie Crow is a good example of that. You can uh, find his stuff out there. He's a guitarist for, I think, Brooks and Dunn, uh, some some uh, big country band. I'm not a country guy, so I don't really remember. Uh, but he also has a, an album called The Sessions that it was just he just recorded it in his garage uh, for fun. And he put that out there under the Creative Commons. And I know a number of podcasts who use uh, music from, from his stuff, uh, from that thing. And it's all it just says all you have to do is say where it came from. It's called an attribution license. Do you have to say in your show or can you do it on the site? Um, my understanding of attribution is as long as it's publicly available. I don't ever put anything in the show, but I have uh, a, uh, a forum post on my site where if you uh, spend any time looking for it, you will find a listing of all the music and who makes them and the links to their site. But I'm not a lawyer. 
that may be wrong, but that's the way I interpret the attribution license. Okay. Uh, anything else to say about Creative Commons, Steve? I actually don't know too much about Creative Commons, so um, that was a bit of a learning experience for me too. So I know nothing to add on that. I got some other stuff later, but okay. And then if you don't want to uh, uh, license it, and you don't want to search for the uh, the uh, diamond in the coal mine of Creative Commons music, you can always make your own or hire somebody to make it for you. Uh, and hiring may be offering a keg of beer, you know, if if you know the guy. Uh, and so that's something that Steve uh, can talk more about than I can. So Steve, talk a little bit about making your own music. I like making my own music because number one, I, I kind of enjoy making music. But even if you don't, there's another reason why I like it. Because you never have to worry about any type of licensing, attribution, nothing. It's your song. You put it in your show. End of story. Um, there is a program because uh, I, I recently I've been working a lot trying to make music. But before I was really into that and I, I, my skills were not honed on making music, I picked up a program called Magic's Music Maker. That's M-A-G-I-X, Music Maker. I think it's a German company. And um, it's so easy to make music with this program. They give you a bunch of loops, and you throw the loops on this little grid, and most of the loops that they give you actually sound good combined with one another. Like they'll give you drums, they'll give you a bass, they'll give you some kind of keyboard or synthesizer piano loop. And it's just a short bit of music, and you just put them all on the grid, and they usually sound good together. And all, like I said, all you need is a couple seconds. You only need like – I make my songs about 30 seconds or so, and then I cut them down to seven on the show. But um, you just put them all on the grid, adjust some settings, make it sound the way you want, and uh, you have a song. And then you don't have to worry about licensing or anything. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. You should definitely give it a try. At least download the free trial of some of these programs. There's there's Magic's Music Maker. If you're on an Apple, you use GarageBand. That thing is cake to make music with. Um, as far as making music, those are the ones I would recommend for starters. But like, there's all kinds of music making programs. I mean, you if you want to graduate from there, you have um, like Pro Tools and Sonar, and I use a program called Studio One and. The program I use for podcasting is actually a music making program. So there's all kinds of stuff in these these programs. Just check it out. And if you uh, want to go online uh, for your options, aviary.com has a uh, basically a web based version of, of GarageBand. It's a, it's a simple way to put it. <clears throat> And pretty much all of these things, uh, GarageBand. You know, when you buy the Mac, it comes with GarageBand, and all the loops in there have already been cleared. Uh, you know, when the, the Apple did that for you and you're free to use that for anything you want. And the same thing on, on aviary.com, you go there and there's, um, quantum tracks is what I think you got to call uh, what they call it. And in order to use it, you got to click a button that says, yes, I agree. And if you read the license, which nobody ever does, uh, it says that, uh, that you're free to take that and mix it up and use it and you can use it for any reason. So that license is already built right in there. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to, to be creative and put the, you know, the five second loops together into a 30 second song. And then that's yours to do with as you please. Yeah. And some of these programs, they don't just come with loops. Some of these programs actually come with all the, all the loops already put together in an audio file in the, in the little library because a lot of these programs want to give you the most loops and the most sounds. So they'll actually put together almost full songs for you. So if you do buy a program like this or Cakewalk makes one called Music Creator, Cakewalk Music Creator, 
it's online for like 20 bucks and it's actually a scaled down version of sonar which is a professional program they give you tons of loops and sounds so it's it will be really hard not to make a song easily with with these programs so if you feel an event eventful and you want to give it a shot that's my best recommendation and the most fun most satisfying most rewarding most safe that's the way I, I would go with it um, let me say one more thing about this, Mark. The reason, one of the, another reason why I started making my own music is I didn't like any of the music that I was finding when I was looking in these sites, uh, these pod safe music sites, and I just didn't like that. I, I, nothing fit. Some of it came close, but nothing fit exactly. So uh, I just said, I'm just going to make my own. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can certainly agree with that. I've uh, I've spent many many hours searching for things. Uh, and you know, it, it was time I was willing to do, and I'm betting that you didn't. You probably spent uh, less time and, and decided that you weren't doing it. But uh, you know, it's something that uh, that I'm willing to do. Just just this weekend, for example, I was looking to create a graphic for somebody, and I spent uh, six hours uh, combing images on YouTube and Flickr, looking for just the right image that I could that could I, I could chop up and, and go there. And, and, you know, if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to invest that kind of time and effort, then there are rewards to be reaped. If you, if you want to move more quickly, uh, then uh, make your own or, or license or buy something. Um, what, you know, another thing that you can do is if you know musicians and uh, if you're in the podcasting world, there's a good chance you do. Uh, you know, just go to the the local college nearby, and uh, the, it's going to be swimming with musicians. And you can find somebody and and um, get them to make you stuff. Like a, a a friend of mine, a former student of mine, actually has a band, and I sent him a, a message on Facebook and and said, uh, "Have you guys got any?" stuff that you didn't release like they're signed they have a uh a, a record and i said do you have anything you haven't released that's just laying around like some scratch tracks i don't need vocals just anything you got and he said sure and he sent me some stuff and uh and that's a good way to go if you happen to know those people and if they are have been in an 80s band in the past <laughs> 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 we're jabbing each other this show mark yes uh, um, Steve doesn't like the music for, for that I like. He says that it dates us. He says it makes the show dated, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm 40 years old, and I'm betting most of the people listening to this show are 40 years old, and so it doesn't yeah, bother I, me all that much. I, I know. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Hey, um, last option we didn't talk about, and I, I've explored this. I never actually, maybe I did it once. Um, buying music for buying music created with the purpose of being somebody's intro music. If you just Google intro music, um, the first site that comes up is one called uh, Melody Loops. And it's just literally a, a couple guys who got together and they created music that you, they're intending you to buy for intros just for podcasts and other stuff. And um, some of it's pretty good. And you, you, if you get lucky and find a decent site, um, Roteo in the chat room has a site called Music Bakery. I've never been there, but that looks like another one that does the same kind of thing. There are sites out there that create music, especially for this purpose. Right. And you pay them like 25 bucks or 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever they're charging. And the, uh, the, another search term you want to use is uh, stock music or royalty-free music. Yeah. And what royalty-free means, it doesn't mean that it doesn't cost you anything. It means that you only pay it once and you don't have to keep paying it. And there, there, uh, you, you go to Google. I typed in, uh, royalty free music and came up with 
like 700 million hits. Uh, so there's there's tons of it out there. Uh, again, you know the the quality of it will vary, uh, and the expense of it. Uh, there the there's a song that I use on our uh, Tightwad Tech Show. Uh, it's called Spanish Samba, and I paid uh, for a license of that, and it was based on uh, the budget of my company. That's how they judge the pricing. So the more money I had, the more they were going to charge me. Uh, but, you know, I said my entire global budget was zero uh, and my license fee for that to use it forever was about $100. Uh, so, you know, that's that was something that I was uh, willing to do. You may not sure. be. You may not want to spend $100 on a song. Then you can go with, uh, uh, you know, spelunking through the uh, the Creative Commons stuff. But, yeah, just uh, type in royalty-free music in, in the browser. Go to yahoo.com and type in royalty-free music. Uh, that was a joke. Nobody uses Yahoo. Um, and, uh, and you'll find lots and lots and lots of, of hits. And uh, that's the quick way. That's you fork out your uh, your credit card, you pay somebody some money, and you have it in minutes and if i would have found the perfect song that way i would have bought it and that's what i went searching for but i just didn't find what was perfect so um i just kind of got tired of looking that's why i started leaning towards creating my own and um those programs that i suggested were the quickest easiest way to do it so and just for clarification i might have said something wrong here it's not rateo's site music bakery that's just the site that he gets his music from so to clarify that um, yeah. Is there any other way to get music? You could crowdsource it. I have, uh, I've known a podcast that do that. They say, Hey, we're looking for music. Uh, send us your stuff. Uh, that's also known as spec work. Uh, people do that for logos and for other stuff. And, and if you, you know, if you've got a big, if you're just starting your podcast and you have five listeners, that's probably not the good way to go. Uh, but if you have built an audience already and you're looking to change for something, you just ask, Hey, somebody send me some music. And you may have some talented people out there who will do that for you. Yeah. Uh, Home Recording Show, one of my favorite podcasts. They, they did it. That's how they got their great intro music. Um, Inside Home Recording is another show that's, that just had a contest doing it. So, yeah, it's a good idea. And just make sure you get something in writing, though. Um, even in, uh, again, I have talked to lawyers about this. An email will do in a pinch. But it's better if it's on paper with signature and blue ink and, you know, that whole thing. But get something in writing that says, I created this music and I give you the rights to use it. Agreed. Because the last thing anybody wants is to have your, you know, your podcast that you don't make any money off of uh, get sued uh, and shut down just because somebody got uh, greedy and wanted money out of you. You know, I'm going to say most of us uh, listening to the show probably are doing this for a hobby. You may hope to make money for it someday, but most of you probably aren't right now. And so you're looking at the cheapest way to go about it. Uh, But sometimes uh, being cheap can be expensive in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I have another topic as far as music, if you want, if you want to please go with it. Uh, when you're picking music, there's another one of Steve's recommendations. Pick music that you think may appeal to a majority of people and not offend anyone. In other words, you might be a huge fan of deathcore music. You know what I mean? I heard of a band that makes deathcore music. I think it's called Cookie Monster or something crazy. And... Um, it just literally sounds like terror, pure terror. 
I would not recommend, no matter how much you like that kind of music, uh, putting it at the beginning of your podcast. That's a good point. Because it would drive people away. So um, just keep in mind, you got you to gotta keep it broad. You're, you're out to, to um, get listeners, not let them know that you love a certain type of music. So don't offend anybody with music that you think might be offensive. And it is the first few seconds of your show. It's literally the first impression. Somebody's trying out your show for the very first time. If they click that button in here, you know, that it doesn't matter what good stuff comes after that. Uh, you know, if if that's the music I pick for Muriel's Quilting Hour, uh, I'm pretty much not ever going to get a download of it. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great point. It is the first thing they listen to. So you want to make that good first impression. And you got to find, uh, I also, I recommend you find something that fits the tone and the, the, the overall uh, feeling of the show. Uh, we we don't have it anymore, but my network used to have a, a sports show, uh, and that music was very heavy, very guitar, very crunchy, um, you know, helmets banging into each other kind of music, and that's appropriate for that show. I would not do that uh, for a show aimed at uh, my, like my classroom teacher show that's aimed at like elementary teachers. I'm not going to do that music for that show. It's not necessarily going to be offensive. It's just inappropriate. Great point. Absolutely, and um, if your if your podcast is about uh, deathcore music, then it would be great to have a deathcore intro. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's if it's you know guitar screaming weekly, then you go right ahead and you put that in there. Exactly. Uh, but it is general. Uh, it is a good idea to have things as general purpose and commercial as possible, and that's why Steve is always razzing me about the music on our show. It's not that. It's not general purpose. It's not current. Uh, it's uh, it's very specific to a certain time period <laughs> and a certain uh, you know West Coast uh, feel to it. And he's right. He makes a good point about that. So uh, uh, you know, and and he told me he'd make new music, and I told him I'd put him on if he did. Put it on. Okay, if he did. Great. yeah, I, I think about that almost every week. Um, but I also want to say the music we have at the beginning of this show is not bad technically. I, I mean, it's it's good, pretty good music. I mean, great great musicians, great quality. Um, Oh, yeah, that's another thing, too. Have good quality music, Absolutely. you know? You don't want to have, like, a torn-up MP3 that was recorded at 32 kilobits per second. Um, get something that's that sounds professional. It sounds good. It's out there. So I think if you follow some of the tips we gave today, you'll find it. Right. And then uh, one other tip. Don't over-edit the music that you get. It's already been processed. It's already been compressed. It's already had everything done to it. Don't do anything more to it. The best you could hope for is to not mess it up too bad if you do that. You're going to mess it up if yeah. you do that. I mean, you might want to increase or decrease the volume to match the rest of your soundtrack, but otherwise, leave it alone. I've heard songs yeah. where, um, you know, they thought, well, I like to use lots of really deep, crunchy compression on the vocals for the, for the show, so I'll apply that to the music too. And then it just comes out of static. Uh, so don't, <laughs> whatever your post-processing is, um, do that and then add the music. Don't do anything to the music if it's good music. And if it's not good music, don't use it. Don't don't get music that you have to fix. Right. That's a great point. Most professional music that you hear, especially on the radio and other places, has has been gone through a process called mastering. And mastering, even in the music industry, is considered a black art. Even professional musicians that make whole albums and record their whole album in a professional recording studio... They don't even do mastering because they say, uh, I, I, I'm just going to give it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Like that, it's that professional um, 
of a subject that gets that quality. So if you try to do something on top of a professionally mastered song, you're going to mess it up. Most likely. Yeah, and that's the best case scenario is you're going to yeah. mess it up. Worst yeah. case scenario is you're going to torture it beyond recognition. <laughs> yes. So, so find something that's good and then leave it alone. That's my advice there. Awesome. Steve, any other comments about music? This may be our shortest show ever. I don't have any more comments about music, but um, we can also read Chuck's second email if we need some, to fill up some space. Go right ahead. Yeah, you have it in front of you? I can get it in front of me uh, if we keep talking and pretending like we're doing something <laughs> while I'm looking for it. Um, uh, okay, so I will talk about that. And and Chuck is doing uh, uh, video production, so uh, that um, it's really something that uh, James knows more about than either Steve or I do, uh, do, but Steve knows more about it than I do. Uh, and his question, as I recall, has to do with uh, syncing issues. Uh, yeah. that James has talked about before. Uh, and so uh, you have it ready, Steve? Did I vamp long enough? Yeah, it's perfect. See, if I, I hadn't radio. pointed it out, you would have thought that was a good uh, radio intro. Yeah, I know. I, since we did a show about it the other a couple weeks ago, every time I do it in my podcast, I actually point it out, which I probably shouldn't do. <laughs> I say, yes, we are talking now just to fill up time while Dwarf finds a link or something like that. Okay, here it is. It says, um, it's from Chuck. He says, I have, I have had a problem developed in my first few recordings. Situation. I use Wirecast to record a green screen studio show. The audio flows through a Shure SM58 to Focusrite 2i2. These sound like exactly like our recommendations, and I think he's going to get a great sound through that. And then into an Intel i7 computer with 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, personally, I'm, this is not Chuck talking, this is me. I think that's a great setup. You're going to get a good sound with that. Um, the video is a Canon HF10 camera. I have that camera, and I like it a lot. Um, it's via HDMI to a Blackmagic Intensity Pro card in his computer. So he's basically using That's this an expensive Canon rig. H yeah, it's a Canon HF10 HD camcorder. He's going HDMI out of the camera to get a live signal into a HDMI input card in his computer. So, yeah, those Blackmagics, I think they're around 300 bucks for those cards. And the camera is about, was like a $700 camera. So, yeah, he's... They're serious about this. His problem is his initial cast, he had Wirecast set to save an MP4 format. When he uploaded to YouTube, it was great. In resetting some shots, I inadvertently left Wirecast to record in Flash, which is the default setting in Wirecast. Chuck, I've done this too myself. Then he says, when I view the Flash video locally, the audio and video are perfectly in sync. When I upload the video to YouTube or convert to MP4 with Handbrake, the video and audio grows to be out of sync about 15 minutes into the video. Now that I realize what happened, recording an MP4 solves the problem. According to a test, I ran and uploaded to YouTube privately. Do you know any trick to fix the audio timing in my episodes 2 through 5 now so they can go to YouTube and not be out of, think, out of sync? Thanks so much. And uh, we'll answer his question, and we'll throw you guys a link so you can check out his podcast. Um, do you have anything on this, Mark, before I give my suggestion? Uh, well, the, the only thing I would say is try different converters. Handbrake may not do it, but something else like Format Factory or something like, else like that will. Uh, it sounds like the issue is, is what uh, James has talked about before, is the, the video is at one uh, frame rate and the audio is at another. Uh, and that tends to, to get out of sync over time. And conversion is always a bear. 
Uh, and so the, it sounds, it's good on the flash, but he can't upload a flash to YouTube is what he's working on. So he's trying to get it into a format that he can put into YouTube. And, uh, my only advice, uh, ham handed as it would be is keep trying different tools till you find something that works. Yeah, definitely. Um, try a different converter. I, I'm not, a, I haven't used handbrake too much, but my fa- absolute favorite is a program called WinFF and it uses the M, uh, FFmpeg, FFmpeg engine. Um, Use WinFF, throw your Flash video in there, convert it to an AVI. That's what I would suggest. Just convert it to an AVI. It'll maintain most of its quality. AVIs are big-ass files, so um, it'll, it'll maintain a lot of quality. And then load that monster up to YouTube, and I bet it just syncs fine. YouTube will accept an AVI perfect, perfectly. Um, if AVI doesn't work, try saving it as a WMV. Try as an MP4, M4V, whatever video file you can. I think one of them will bite. Um, but use WinFF. It's dead simple and fast. FFmpeg is a great engine, and I think anything that uses that it usually comes out good. Uh, actually, actually, Handbrake does use it. Does right. Handbrake, Handbrake uses that, but it the settings that you feed it make all the difference. And it may be that Handbrake feeds it one type, and WinFF feeds it another. Okay. Yeah, give that a shot. That is my best advice. And and my advice is don't worry about it. That's the past anyway. That was episodes two through five. Fix the problem in the future. And just chalk that up as it was a learning mistake. Don't spend too much effort in that which is already old. Uh, unless it's really archival stuff, like, you know, James talks about his stuff that lasts for two or three years, then you might want to worry about if it's that important to you, go back and re record it. If it's not worth the effort to re record it, it's probably not worth the effort to fix it. That's my way of looking at it. Hmm. That's a good point. Because the, the nature of what we do as podcasters is we make things that's ephemeral. It lasts for a while, and then it's not useful anymore. And and the, the, the number of people who will go back and look at episodes two through five after you're on episode 70 is very small. And the ones who do will expect to see things raw back then. It won't be surprising to them. I guess so. I guess so. It's not. Yeah, it's pretty valid. So it's not a technical answer. It's a philosophical answer. Yeah, you said we might have some philosophy tonight, so there we go. Uh, if you guys want to check out his show, it's called Wake Up to Recovery. Just Google or YouTube that. He's He's got several episodes of it, and um, looks like it's a self-help type of show. And does a good job, especially for his first podcast, so... Um, Definitely yeah, check he, it out. he really jumped into the deep end with both feet there. You know, my first offering is going to be a video with high end stuff. You know, he really jumped right into the, the deep end. And yeah. so, you know, uh, props to you for doing that. Uh, but also expect that you're not going to get it right the first time. It's okay that you screwed up. You're doing the hardest thing possible right out of the gate. So it's okay that it's not perfect. But you know what, Mark? He's lucky. You know why he's lucky? He's got us. He got, he's got us. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So, And if you want us. more of us, specifically the Steve part of us, where can you go to find that? Uh, go to howtopodcast.biz. And by the way, Chuck bought these videos. And then, you know, it reflects on how good his show is. Uh, go to howtopodcast.biz. I put together a video collection where I just did a brain dump of stuff. Is that what you're asking me, Mark? Or are you saying come to the Art of Podcasting show? No, that's perfect. You you you, okay. you read it right on. Okay. <laughs> um, definitely check out those videos. I think they'll help anybody. Audio podcasting, video podcasting. Like I said, um, I, I I started a network from nothing, and it grew to a 
nice big chunky size and I just talk I talk about in those videos everything I did to make that happen. So if you're interested in that, it's good stuff. It's real life stuff. And that website one more time. How to podcast.biz. There you go. See, we're working on this thing. We're, we're trying to get the pattern down. <laughs> you knew it threw me off that we didn't do lessons learned. That's oh, what threw me right. off. But see, it was such a natural transition. It just seemed like a good time to do it. <laughs> okay. But now we can go back and do the lesson you learned this week. See, <laughs> that's that's the way I roll. If a, if a good transition uh, presents itself, I'm going to take it, regardless of what <laughs> the notes say. Jumped right on that. Yeah. Okay. So, Steve, what is the lesson you learned this week? Um, the lesson I learned this week. See, he I wasn't even ready. It. He wanted one, and he wasn't even ready with the time. I had it on the tip <laughs> of my mind. You go first, because I will remember it by the time you're done. Well, my lesson uh, is the one I mentioned earlier, and that's uh, uh, sometimes when you buy cheap stuff, you get what you get. You know, my backup recorder was a cheap recorder, and it failed on me. And as much as I am known as the tightwad in chief, uh, sometimes you get what you pay for. So that's, again, not so helpful, but it's just, it's one of the painful things that I learned this week. I, I saved some money and I'm going to end up having to spend twice as much because I'm having to replace what I thought I was buying cheap. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Good lesson. Thank you. And yourself? I need a minute on this. Okay. I hope there's, I'm probably going to have to edit this. I'm really sorry because I'm the last person to edit. Well, <laughs> while you're working edit. on that, I will tell you about uh, where you can find other stuff. And that is, uh, go over to elementop.com. That is, uh, that is my network uh, where I do stuff. Uh, and uh, check out the forums there, uh, the Art of Podcasting forums. Uh, uh, we appreciate Chuck for, for his feedback and we encourage others to do the same. You can contact us through the uh, through the contact button there uh, at elementop.com. Uh, that'll come to me, and I'll forward it on to uh, Steve and James. And, um, or you can post something in the forum, and they will see it as well. And we encourage you to do that. And I'll also mention in absentia, let's not forget Mr. James the Professor Messer. Go to professormesser.com for all your A-plus and security-plus training needs. Great stuff at a price you can't beat. Free. You ready now, Steve? No, man. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. It's really sorry, man. All right. I can't think of it right now. That's funny. That's funny because you were like, hey, we didn't do that. And then when we came to do that, you weren't ready to do that. Because I had one at the beginning of the show and it's gone. So what you learned this week is write stuff down. Yeah, that's great. Perfect. Yes, do that. Definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> write stuff down <laughs> and, I, I'm losing it I'm losing it Mark you know I, I think this illustrates very well something that uh, both Steve and I ha uh, try to um, uh, in, uh, embody in our podcast and that's be natural be honest uh, you know I'm not going to go back and edit that out and he does not no I'm not uh, <laughs> because that's just that's the way things go that's that's Steve being Steve and Mark being Mark and and we hope that our audience appreciates that and if not, you know, Steve will send me an email and say, why didn't you edit that, you you heartless ogre? Or after we're done going live, Mark's going to be like, don't ever not bring <laughs> a lesson again. Yes, because no, I do that so often. I chew you out <laughs> okay. after that. No, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Okay, we'll find out.
And what I'm hearing from the live stream is they're hearing a commercial right now anyway, so uh, oh, they're missing perfect. all of this anyway. <laughs> oh, man, this is fun. Well, Steve, thanks for being with us, and uh, we look forward to having James back with us next week. And uh, I'm just going to say, for this week, that ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting.